Father, I ask you to send your spirit into our lives, into our homes, and into this church to produce fruit in us so that your will may be done. Let us all read together Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We've made it to week nine, and my voice almost came all the way with us. I've been battling, uh, I've lost my voice about two days ago on Thanksgiving. I've been trying to not talk ever since then. Um, which I've learned something about myself, which I kind of knew, but I realized more than I realized before, uh, which is apparently my default form of initiating conflict with my wife is the silent treatment. And so when you can't talk for two days, I have to constantly reassure her, I promise I'm not mad at you, I just still can't talk. Uh, Which makes me feel very, very childish uh, to know that being sick and being grumpy look the same in me. But I've been grateful for that mirror that God has given me to learn something that I can improve about myself. I hope that this series has been that for you, an opportunity to look into the mirror and see areas where you are resisting the work of the Spirit in your life to produce fruit in you, the fruit of love, the fruit of joy, the fruit of patience. Today, as we kind of move through to the last of the fruit in the list that that, that Paul writes to the church in Galatia, uh, we're going to be talking about the fruit of self-control, the fruit of self-control. And and we've talked all throughout the series that the way that the fruit work is that God's character uh, is revealed in these nine fruit, that these fruit are uh, indicative of the actual character and virtue of God. And that when His Holy Spirit dwells in those of us who have received His Spirit through baptism and by becoming followers of Jesus Christ, that when that happens that the Spirit of God contagiously transforms us to begin taking on the actual character traits of God. This week, as we talk about self-control, we're really going to look at the challenges that exist in the world today when it comes to being people uh, that manifest the fruit of self-control in our lives. This week, I thought, what, what are, in our world that we live in today, what are the most difficult of the fruit and the character traits of God to, to, to demonstrate in our lives. And I thought that it's certainly difficult in the world that we live in today uh, to, to take on the character of patience. Patience is extremely difficult. Uh, we want everything right now. All of life is on demand. Uh, do you guys remember when you had to wait a week to see the next episode of a TV show? Uh, Do you remember when if you wanted to get a movie, you had to drive all the way to Blockbuster and like walk through and see if it was available? We live in a world where kids will grow up never knowing what it's like for a movie to be checked out. Or or rewound? Rewound. Um, Be kind, rewind will mean nothing to an entire generation, and that's a real tragedy. Uh, It's why no one has manners anymore. 
peace seems to be incredibly difficult as I think about the character traits of the spirit. Peace uh, is something that we live in a world that's filled with anxiety and dread and fear and worry. And the character trait of peace is very difficult. But I think that, that of the traits that, that one of the most difficult to demonstrate today and to practice in our lives is the, the spiritual fruit of self-control. So we're going to be talking about that today, but before we get to that, I've got two things that I want to kind of briefly step out and and do, because one of the things that we've committed to doing throughout this series is looking for and celebrating anywhere that we see evidence of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives and in our homes and in our church. And, And I've had two people that have, in the last week or two, shared with me stories about evidence of the Spirit producing fruit. Uh, in this congregation and in their lives, and I wanted to share those two stories with you before we move into uh, self-control. And the first one of these is is an email I got from Jackie earlier this week about some of the kids here at Northwest. Jackie emailed me and wrote this, for the last four Sundays, a nine-year-old boy has opened the door for me to enter the Family Life Center at 8.30 a.m. After leaving my Bible class to go into worship, two young boys, brothers, introduced themselves, shook my hand, and welcomed me to Northwest. A 13-year-old man greets me, calls me by name, and shakes my hand. These things helped me to realize how blessed we are at Northwest to have dedicated parents and Bible school teachers who are training our young people to be kind and respectful. And this opportunity also presents us with with a moment to recognize that even in the youngest members of this church family, that the Spirit of God is already producing in them the fruit of kindness, the fruit of goodness, a willingness to go and and be unlike so much of the world uh, where young people only hang out with young people and older people only hang out with older people and they never uh, are able to bridge the gap between their age differences. And yet here at Northwest, week in and week out, and and Jackie, I think, knows these young men's names, but kept them back to just say that it's not just these individuals that warrant recognition, but that this is the kind of culture and family that we are raising our children up in, where this is the norm, that we are teaching our children to grow in themselves the fruit of the Spirit by the power of the Spirit, that God's character is transforming even the youngest among us. Amen is right. Amen is right. And the second one, uh, Dolores, if you'll come down for just a minute, I want Dolores to have an opportunity to share with you a little bit of her story, which has the added benefit of letting me not talk for a moment. Uh, But Dolores shared the story with me several weeks ago uh, about the packets that we've had with this nine series. Uh, That is, we've uh, been asking families to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit at home, Uh, she came and shared with me that the Spirit put something on her heart to do with one of those packets. Gloria, I want to ask you, what what did you end up doing? What did the Spirit put on your heart to do? I'll have you step a little bit Okay. Well, first of all, I want to try to be brief about it because it's packets, plural. Yeah. It's packets, yeah. You sent out multiples to different family members. Yes, multiple. And um, when Kent gave us the charge, I looked at it as a charge, and I said, wow. When I looked at my packet that I took home and I remembered his voice, Kent's voice said, share these with your family. Mm. And then I thought, my family is extended. 
I have multiple members of families. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to do this. And I'm first Sunday, I mailed out five packets. The next Sunday, I mailed out five more. And I did that for over 20 packets. And I said, I hope the church doesn't get upset with me <laughs> taking all these packets and mailing them. But you know what? Kent, the reward, the results. For example, I give one that I shared with you. Um, my sister Gwendolyn, who has attended here several times, lives in Houston, Texas, and she's a uh, family marriage therapist. And she works with couples who are on the verge of divorcing and where the children and their homes are very dysfunctional. And she'd been praying for God to increase her knowledge of how she can reach these families. And she works for a Christian-based agency, which is really a blessing. I didn't tell her about the packets, but I sent her a packet. And when she received the packet, she called me immediately and she said, Dolores, God answered my prayer. Yeah. She said, I have taken the fruit. I've implemented them into the treatment plans of each one of my couples. She said, they have graciously agreed each week they're going to practice one of these. And she said, Dolores, it's unbelievable how they have started to engage in real conversations with each other and their children. Yeah. So, I mean, the results have just been phenomenal, and I know it's God. And I'm so grateful that I listen to the Holy Spirit, I listen to you, <laughs> to share them with the family members. Thank you, Dolores. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Here's what I hope you heard. One, good things come from listening to me. <laughs> Maybe we'll make that five on the list. First of all, that Dolores felt prompted by the Spirit to take action and to do something and to share something with her family, and she did not push back against it or question it, but that she took that prompting and responded. And that someone else in another part of the country was praying, God, send me something to bless families. And suddenly this comes in the mail. And she opens it and realizes that this is an answer from prayers by the guidance of the Spirit. She calls Dolores and thanks her. And she starts giving this to families and couples that are struggling in their marriages and with children that are going through distress and difficult situations. And they start talking about, each week, love and joy peace and patience and self-control. And suddenly these families start to be blessed as they begin finding and exploring what the Spirit can be doing in their own lives and marriages and families. And, it, and it's taking off like wildfire. It's changing her practice and it's changing families. And this is the power of the Spirit producing fruit in those who stop resisting what the Spirit is trying to do in their lives and instead embrace it and welcome it and move forward. And we need that today as we think about self-control, because when it comes to self-control, I do believe that it's incredibly needed. And I believe that one of the reasons that we so badly need the Spirit to be giving us the fruit of self-control is there is so much in our world today that encourages us to give away our self-control. 
to just throw it out and just embrace whatever else the world offers, whatever distractions, whatever temptations, whatever uh, things are out there in the world that we can pursue instead of self-control. There is so much that is out there that draws us toward that and away from the fruit of self-control. You know, the first thing that we need to look at when we think about the fruit of self-control is that, that it is intended to protect us from so much of the vices of our world that we live in today. It's intended to protect us from uh, gluttony, a life of excess. And when I say gluttony, I don't just mean, mean food. I mean whatever it is that gives you pleasure and joy and fills you for that moment, but not for eternity, that you pursue that in such abundance that you become an absolute consumer, wanting more and more and more, and never being satisfied and always desiring more of that which brings you pleasure, certainly including, but not limited, to our appetites for food. It helps us be protected from drunkenness, from sexual promiscuity, from squandering our money, from drug addictions, from marijuana abuse. And, and, I, and I've got to say, if the laws in our state have changed recently, and I don't want to get into the politics of this, but I do need to get into the morality of this. The politics of our state have changed recently to where marijuana use is legal as, as a medicinal treatment. And if you're someone that has seizures or that has a physical ailment, and what you find is that the, the use of marijuana under the guidance of a physician is helpful for you in treating that, uh, I'm thankful for that, personally. I'm thankful for that. But if what you're doing is using a, a medical card as a loophole in a system so that, that you can go and get something that allows you to check out of the world or to be oblivious to what's going on around you or to do any of the things that come with drunkenness or drug addictions of other kinds, that's not, but just because it's a legal loophole does not make it morally good. And I hope that distinction is clear. I, I want to have mercy for those who need the medical care, but I want to have truth for those who are manipulating a system to just find one more way to throw away the fruit of self-control in their life and pursue a life of, addic a life of addiction and checking out. It protects us, the fruit of self-control, from gambling. And whether that's money or excessive risk-taking or doing other things that you shouldn't be doing, the fruit of self-control should produce in us the disciplined way of living that protects us from these things which are absolutely running amok in our world today. saw a commercial during the Thunder game the other day that, that was talking about the, the political debate between uh, the governor and the tribes right now over how to divide up the gambling income uh, that the casinos are drawing in our states. And they said it's the number one industry in our state. And I'm like, what? Gambling is the number one industry in our state? And I don't know if that's true or not. I didn't go fact check it. But it struck me that we live in a world that is gladly resisting and giving away and throwing away at every single opportunity the fruit of self-control so that we can have all of the stuff that feels good and that we want in this moment. 
And there's different ways that we throw away that fruit of self-control. And, and I want to kind of look at these because I want us, to, I, this for me, this fruit needs to be a mirror that we look at ourselves yeah. in. And, and what we see in the mirror, if it drives us towards conviction by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want us to see why it is that we're doing the things that we're doing that the Spirit should be protecting us from, and we're pushing the Spirit back so that it is able to do so. And the first way that we seem to resist the fruit of self-control is this. We willingly give control of our minds and bodies to altering substances where whether it's drugs or alcohol or marijuana, that on purpose we think to ourselves, it would be fun if I didn't think like me, act like me, make decisions like me for the next day. I want to check out of me and into this altered version of me. I'm going to willingly give control of my body to a drug, to an addiction, to alcohol. We want to check in to having irresponsible fun without the inhibitions that God has very normally given us. We choose to give away the self-control that the Spirit is seeking to grow. When that's our motivation, we need to know that that's our motivation. And, and I'm not saying again that all things that we're talking about are bad. When we talk about alcohol, there are times in Scripture where alcohol is consumed in ways that appear to be normal and not in violation of God's will and that is not condemned. And there are times in Scripture where alcohol is a disaster, where people drink it to drunkenness and they lose control of themselves. And you look at the story of Noah and his son or Lot and his daughters, and there is certainly plenty of reason to be careful about drinking too much alcohol where you lose control and do things that you would never normally do. That's not okay. The second way that we cast off and, and the reason that we want no part of the, the fruit of self-control that God is trying to place in our hearts and in our lives is this, that there are things that are out there in the world that we are unable to maintain self-control because we desire them too much. We are just incapable of resisting them. These are the things that become addictions, the things that are uh, the lust of the eyes and the heart are too much for these things, and, and we cannot resist them. And we need to find ways to place buffers between us and these things. These are the things that lead to alcoholism, to drug addictions, addictions to, to sex and pornography. It's difficult in the world that we live in to resist these things that are all around us and that are part of popular culture and that are advertised on billboards and social media and everywhere else, and they're celebrated in our culture and in our world. And when it comes to talking about sex outside of marriage and, and, and things that have to do with that, for a long time in the church we have a history, uh, and to some extent even now in Christianity at large, we put sexual sins in their own category above and beyond all the other sins that we talk about. We talk about all sin, but we yell about any kind of sexual sin. Sins that happen in your mind and in your relationships and in the boardrooms, we talk about sins that happen in the bedroom, we tend to yell about. And because we've done that maybe incorrectly, acted as some sins are more significant than others, there's a tendency today to act like sexual sin's not a big deal at all. 
we've swung the pendulum to the other side where we don't want to, to talk about them at all because of the problems of our past of acting like they're the only big deal when it comes to violating God's commands. And we need to be able to not overreact one way or overreact the other. We need to say very clearly that God's plan and desire for sexual intimacy is that it belongs to a husband and a wife and a family. That, that God's desire is for sexual intimacy to belong in a covenant marriage. It's that it happened between a husband and a wife who are married at that time that they're doing the things that they're doing and loving in the way that they are, are loving. And that in that way that it's a beautiful gift. But in other ways, it's a violation of God's good will, of God's good gift towards a husband and a wife and a family. Anything else is choosing to throw away the fruit of self-control for what I want right now. The third reason I think that we're so willing to take the fruit of self-control and throw it out is that we live in a world that loves gluttony and that loves excess. I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. Saying that too much of a good thing can cease to be a good thing is certainly true when it comes to this type of resisting the Spirit. It's when food, which is a good thing, becomes a bad thing because you lack the self-control. And instead of you consuming food for your benefit, food begins to consume you to your detriment. Where it's all you think about, it's all you desire, and it's all you seek, and, and you're trying to have the best of it, and the most of it, and the all of it. And you're not just eating what is good for you, but you're eating your, your emotions and your feelings, and you're taking the things that you should be taking to God. Stress, anxiety, a desire for more, those things belong to God. And when you give them to food, what you end up doing instead is making food the idol that you pursue passionately. And it's not just in the area of food. Sports and playing cards are fun. But if you're doing a better job of setting aside three hours for football on Saturday than you are for Jesus on Sunday, you've got a consumption problem. You've got a worship problem. You've got an idolatry problem. You've lost control. And if you are giving more to gambling on the sports teams that you're watching on Saturday than you are to giving to God on Sunday, your problem has been multiplied. You've lost control. I mentioned this a minute ago, and I'll say it again. There's times in Scripture when people drink alcohol without it being a problem. But we live in a world where, where alcohol abuse is becoming more and more of a problem for so many people and families that it's causing a crisis in our culture. And, and we have to continue to say, just before the fruit of the Spirit passage that we've been looking at for nine weeks, verses before that is a passage where Paul lists a list of vices, a list of acts of the sinful nature. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. But the acts of the sinful nature, the list right away lists drunkenness on there. And it, as it's become more and more acceptable to, to be practicing and drinking alcohol in our homes and in our families and in different social settings, it doesn't mean that drunkenness is okay now. 
And it doesn't mean that it's okay for us to be throwing away our inhibitions and drowning our sorrows and all the other things that alcohol is generally used for as a substitute for letting the Spirit produce the fruit of self-control in me. And we have to continue to hold on to that reality and that truth even as social norms change, scriptural standards do not. And the fourth reason that I think we're often so willing to throw away the fruit of self-control is this. We try to avoid our problems, our stresses, our difficulties, and the weariness of life by consuming endless amounts of drugs, alcohol, Netflix, Facebook, pornography, food, shopping, and wealth, to name a few. The things that we obsessively pursue and that we binge watch and binge consume. Several years back, if you had told someone, what, what is it that you enjoy to binge? I think everyone would have just cringed and been like, binging is a bad thing. I don't, I don't want to binge anything. That sounds like I would feel really bad at the end of it. But we live in a world where, where binge watching TV or getting into a binge fest on social media or just consuming an unbelievable amount of food or all these other things have become celebrated and normal. And we need, by the power of the Spirit, to resist that new normal. And, and we need to know that what is happening in those moments is that we're trying to escape from the world by moving into something that makes us feel better or makes us forget for a moment the difficulties we're going through. And the biggest problem with escapism is not that it doesn't work because it does, it's that it doesn't work as well as trusting God. It's that escaping into Netflix and Facebook will not work for an eternity. It works for a while, an hour, three hours, I hope not six hours. But if you can learn when you need a break from the chaos of life to lean into the peace of God, how much greater is that gift? If you learn when you're overwhelmed with anxiety and overwhelmed by the burdens that are going on and trying to escape into video games and, and to, to alcohol, if you instead learn to lean into the peace that passes understanding. And a God who seeks to, to relieve us of our burdens and our difficulties. We check into all of these other things so we can check out of life, but we do so as an alternative to checking into God. Checking into good habits and checking into healthy relationships. And it's time we start to allow the Spirit to rewind that tendency in us. Be kind, rewind, right Matt? Rewind these cultural moments that move us just going straight headlong into just excess gluttony, escapism, addiction, and everything else. And we push back against that and take a step back into the life of the Spirit. The life of the Spirit which grows in us the fruit that gives us the self-control and the self-discipline to resist all of these things that the world celebrates but that Scripture cautions us against. And I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And Corinth is a great example for us today because Corinth was a city that was filled with sexual immorality and debauchery and filled with all kinds of temptations and difficulties and struggles and the things of the world. And Paul is trying to teach these Gentiles to behave in a way that, like the Jews, becomes 
a Christ-following people that brings them into a community where they have a new sense of identity and morality and ethics based on the character of God placed within them by the power of the Holy Spirit, transforming them to look like God and not by the, like the world. So in 1 Corinthians 10, starting in verse, verse 1, he says this, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, that they passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. That rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as, an exam as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. There's a lot of, of Israelite history in those texts, and I don't want to get into all of that. If you're interested in it, I encourage you to go back and, and just consume as a replacement for some of the addictions you may have right now consume the Old Testament, these stories, and learn from the example of Israel giving in over and over again to temptation and escapism and wanting away from God's plan and wanting their own plan. But Paul writes to Corinth that all of these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so the two things I really want you to get from these last two verses is this, that when you are tempted to lose control in any of the ways that we've talked about or that we've been, been thinking about or for any of the reasons that we've talked about, here's what I want you to know. God is not tempting you with anything beyond what you can bear, which means that God believes you can resist it. God believes that you are capable and that he has given you everything that you need to resist that which is urging you to give away what the Spirit is trying to produce in you, which is this control, this discipline, this rejecting of temptation, this rejecting of that which, which is helping you to escape from reality and escape from God. God believes you have everything you need to resist it. And when it comes your way, God will give you a way out. Yes. Oh, church, I, I just beg you when you're in that moment and temptation is there and you see the temptation and you see the way out, point your feet towards the way out and then go. Go. Quit sitting there giving in to temptation when God keeps giving you a way out that you refuse to take. 
take the way out because God has given you everything you need to be able to do this. And in addition to that, he gives his spirit to you, which lives within you, producing the fruit in you to do all that is required. A little bit later, verse 23, Paul writes this. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And there's a wisdom there for thinking about these kinds of things when it comes to self-control. Because when we talk about self-control, we're not always talking about right or wrong, good or evil, uh, sin or righteousness. It's not always that clear-cut. There are many things like eating food, that is not sin, but can become a loss of self-control. There are many things like drinking alcohol, which in a small amount may not be sin, but in in a large quantity can become that, a total loss of self-control. And what we need to realize is that what we're often talking about when it comes to the fruit of self-control is the exercise of wisdom and maturity and discipline. What we are talking about Uh, is knowing that just because something is permissible doesn't mean that it's beneficial. And it might mean doing something, rejecting something that is okay or good to instead pursue something that is better or best for the kingdom of God or yourself or your family or for others. Yeah, but I'm allowed to do this. It's not wrong. But would the kingdom of God be blessed more if you didn't? then maybe not everything that is permissible is beneficial. Self-control guides us with God towards those right steps, resisting the temptations of the world, resisting the morality of the world, resisting the excesses of the world, and pushing back against the distractions of the world so that we can live a better, spirit-filled life with God. I want to finish this lesson as we've started all nine of the ones before. Father, I ask you to send your spirit into our lives, into our homes, and into this church to produce fruit in us so that your will may be done. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Today as I finish, if you have never received the Spirit of God by accepting Jesus Christ and His gift of salvation through baptism, I invite you to do that today. There's no day like the present to receive salvation and to receive the Spirit. The Spirit which then begins to work inside of you, contagiously transforming you into the very character of God, giving you the gift of eternal life so that you may become safe and transformed continuously more and more to the image of His Son, Jesus. You need to make that or come forward with any other need this morning. Please do so while we stand and sing.